Isaiah 9, 6 For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. John 14, 27 Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Today we light the candle of peace. Hey friends, I, I want to just welcome you, our online and TV crew. I, I am so grateful for your presence here today. God has some really cool things in store for us as we get ready to connect into the second week of our teaching series called Christmas for All. Now this is the second week of Advent. We just witnessed the lighting of the second Advent candle, the candle of peace. And, and there is this sense during the Advent season that we are waiting in the dark, hoping and longing for the light to come. And one of the things that I appreciate about the lighting of this second candle is that it is a, a visual cue for us that the light is starting to gather strength and it helps build anticipation for what God has in mind for us, both as we remember the arrival of Jesus to our world way back in Bethlehem, but also as we look forward to the moment when Jesus will come again and set all things right. That'll be a great, great day. In just a few moments, we're gonna be singing a song together called Liberator. And it's appropriate in this season to be reminded that Jesus is, in fact, the great liberator and that it's through his cross, through his resurrection, that we are rescued from sin and death and we are free to live as God always intended for us to live. So I wanna invite us to lift up our voices together and let's lift high the name of Jesus as we worship together. Oh 
celebrate today that Jesus came as a baby to bring us the gospel, the good news. Amen. We're going to sing that gospel together. Let's do it. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came around there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the Salvation, Jesus for 
Morning, Heritage. How are you? It is so great to be with you again. So excited to be with you. Hey, 
uh, I got a question for you. Uh, how many of you, no, let me say this. I want you to repeat after me. God wants me. Okay, that's great. That's 14 of you, but there's more than that in the room. So God wants me to experience his peace. See, so we all talk about the fact that he's the prince of peace. Like that's a, a verbiage that we use, but what does that actually look like? So one more time, God wants me to experience his peace. Now, okay, now, now I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have all of your Christmas shopping done already? Raise your hand. Okay, there's about six of you in the room, okay? Uh, how many of you are absolutely convinced that your Christmas gift is presently sitting on a container ship off the coast of California somewhere? And that's why you can't find it. <laughs> you know, so frustrating, right? But here's the thing. What I can tell you is, is that the average American will spend $886 on Christmas this year. The average American will spend $886 on Christmas this year. Now, here's what's interesting about that. What's interesting about that is that the average American is $97,000 in debt. And so what we do is, is that we end up, $92,000, sorry, in debt. Uh, sorry, missed it by five grand. But $92,000 in debt. Now, here's the thing. Thing is, is that what most Americans will do is that they will spend more money and go a little bit further in debt this year to buy their Christmas presents. That's what they'll do. And that $92,000 in debt, every, that averages out to every single American. Now, I'm not saying that all of you owe that much. I'm simply saying that's the average debt of America today, of every single American today. I'm just a, a bear of great news, aren't I? Aren't you glad you got him in country? Now, don't worry. We're going to get there. Because here's the deal. The deal is, is that that debt is broken up into different things like credit card debt and school loan debt and car loans and mortgages and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's right up in that way. But here's what I can tell you. The fact that we're $92,000 in debt, most of us, relates to something that I want to share with you. The American Psychological Association says that most of us are absolutely stressed out about money. That we are more worried about money than anything else in our lives. True story. As a matter of fact, according to research, 25% of us are daily freaking out about our money throughout the day. We are thinking about our financial lack throughout the day several times a day. 25% of you in this room have already thought about your financial difficulty several times this morning. That's where you live. That's the life that you're living. 77% of us worry about money on a regular basis. 77% of us. And according to research, money issues are a leading cause for divorce in America. As a matter of fact, Many reports would say that more people get divorced over financial issues than over adultery. So here's, here's the thing. We are juxtaposed against this, this wonderful Savior who says, I want you to experience peace. I came to be the Prince of Peace. But our American lifestyle is such that we're living in such a way that we're filled with worry and anxiety. And so much of the time, that comes back to financial issues. And, and, and here's the thing, as, as we go on, some of you are thinking, why in the world are you talking about money in December? Like, you're just an idiot, Chris Conrad. Well, the reason I'm talking about money in December is because 
God wants to come as the prince of peace to your life. He does not want you to walk through life filled with anxiety and worry. He wants you to experience the peace that comes when we figure out our finances his way. So there's an invitation on the table this morning. And here's the problem for Rock Island this morning in this 11 o'clock service. The thing is, I don't have to go back to Bettendorf, so I can preach my whole message. So you're going to be here till Tuesday, but we're going to have a lot of fun. Okay? Here's the, here's the thing. Um, I, you know, I, we're stressed out, and, and Jesus wants to say some things. He wants to say some things to us. Here's the deal. You're going to notice that today's message has a lot of Scripture in it. Who cares what Chris Conrad thinks? Nobody. But I care deeply about what God's Word says. Because His Word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So His Word is alive, and He wants to speak to us. And so what does He want to say to us about money? Well, Jesus said, and this guy by the name of John wrote it down, and this is what He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. What? Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus, are you sticking kidding me? What do you mean? Don't let my heart be. Do you know the financial situation I'm in? Do you know the, the stress that I feel, the pressure that I feel to, to buy those toys? I'm not going $886 in debt further just for myself. I'm doing that because I feel the society's pressure. I got to buy these things for other people. And, and yet you're telling me, don't let my heart be troubled? One time, Jesus gathered some folks. He got his disciples together. And he went up on a hillside. And uh, he preached a message. It's the most famous message that's ever been preached. And we now call it the Sermon on the Mount. And as part of that message, Jesus talks to you and I about our finances, about our money. And this is what he says. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. See, God understood, God understood wintertime in Illinois and Iowa when they put salt on the roads. Like God, God got that, okay? And where thieves break in and steal. Next. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Because wherever your treasure is, Jesus said, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? Hang on to that for just a second. See, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, if you think you can buy something and that something is actually going to fill you with contentment, ah, you're going to be disappointed. When I was seven years old, I don't know why, but I wanted this Tonka truck. And this Tonka truck had a fifth wheel camper on the back of it. Matter of fact, I still own the stupid thing. It's up in my attic. Okay, true story. I, I wish I would have brought it with me so you could have seen how ridiculous I was that I wanted that. And I don't know why I wanted a camper. I think I was living vicariously through, uh, through Tonka because my, parent, my, my parents' idea of going camping was staying at the Holiday Inn instead of the Hilton. Like, they had no idea what camping was all about. I still, to this day, cannot build a fire. I throw gas on a fire, and it still won't light. <laughs> Please don't do that at home. Nobody die because of me. 
okay? I, but but I, I really wanted this thing as a seven-year-old. So I, I did the dishes around home. I made sure I got my allowance. I made sure that I did whatever I needed to do so I could buy that. And man, I finally got it. I remember going to the store and getting it and bringing it home. And it was so much fun to play with for about three weeks. And then it was, uh, whatever. If we think, Jesus is saying to us, that we're going to find contentment through the things we buy at Target or Kohl's or on Amazon or wherever it is, that's, bless you, that's not where our contentment is going to come from. It wasn't meant to. Things, say this with me, things were not meant to bring me contentment. They weren't. Go on, guys, if you would, to the next slide. Thank you so much. You guys are right. No one can serve two masters. If you'll hate the one and love the other, you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. Next one. That's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. What? Really? Yeah. I don't want you to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food to drink. Jesus, are you on drugs? Don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Yeah, but Jesus, I'd like to, I'd like to eat and I'd like to wear clothes. This idea of being naked and unashamed left us a long time ago, Jesus. How many of you are really glad that everybody wore clothes today at a church? I'm really glad. I'm looking at you all. I'm kidding. <laughs> You're looking at me. You're really, really glad out there. Some of you are like, yeah, can I raise two hands? Thank you very much. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. Can I tell you what that means? That means there wasn't an eagle or a hawk or a robin that got up this morning and said, I don't know what I'm going to do about eating. I need to go see a bird psychologist. I'm so filled with fear. There aren't any bird psychologists. They don't exist. Why? Because God promises to take care of them. He's their supply. He makes sure. And aren't you far more valuable to him than a bunch of birds? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You're over here fretting and being all concerned. Is that really adding value to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, who is the most famous rich guy who ever lived. Think Bill Gates on steroids. Solomon had so much money. The richest man who ever lived. But Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as the lilies of a field. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown in the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. So why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What am I going to drive? Where am I going to live? What job am I going to have? Am I going to be able to go to Starbucks tomorrow? <gasps> these things dominate the thoughts of other Americans. But your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And would you repeat out loud and loudly 
from there to the end. Thank you. And he will give you everything you need. Say it again. And he will give you everything you need. He'll give you everything you need. Everything you need. Now, maybe not everything you want, but everything you need. The God of the universe promises to take care of you and give you everything you need. Now, some of you are thinking right now, Chris Conrad, you're a whack job. First of all, way to make it really hard on the video guys. And second of all, you have no idea what my finances are like. You're right, I don't. I have no idea what your finances are like. But can I tell you, I grew up in a home where my parents were lousy money managers. I mean, lousy. Like there was no problem with the income side of the ledger. Like my parents made plenty of money. My mom was the CEO of a small company. My dad worked for AT&T back in the days when people would work for the same company for 30 years. He did that. They made plenty of money. That wasn't the issue. The issue was is that they never planned their finances. And they never had a budget. They didn't have any of that. So I came out of my parents' home as an adult not having a clue about how to handle money. Not at all about how to handle money. And, and I think one of the reasons why we worry about it is because so many of us have never been trained about how to handle money correctly. No one has ever like taught us. No one has ever helped us with that. And we feel really insecure about that. And we don't want to ask anyone else because we feel insecure about it. We feel embarrassed. We feel like we should know more and we don't know more. Because of that, we just keep it all tangled up inside of our own spirits and hearts. And what ends up happening is, is that that's exactly why marriages end up, end up deploying over, over money is because the, the, the husband and wife don't know how to talk about it with each other because no one's ever helped them talk about money in a healthy way. And so what happens, the only thing they know how to do is argue about it. And, and so they, they have overdrafts or this happens or that happens and they get so mad they just argue about it and they end up getting divorced about it because no one's actually talked to them. And then what happens is, is that they end up worrying about it. Again, 77% of the people in this room and you're looking at me like, well, that's never happened to me. That's bull honky. How many of you are willing to admit that you've been stressed about money at least once in your life and the rest of you are lying and you're in church? I'm <laughs> telling you right now. It happens all the time. And the reason for that is because of the fact that we're living in the United States of America that wants to, us to continually buy. We've got to have the 13 because, uh, it's down there, because the iPhone 12 is so old. We've got to have this. We've got to have that. We've got to have it. So here I am. I'm 27 years old. Not really, but I'm going back a few years. I'm 27 years old, and I'm a wreck emotionally about finances. Ask my wife. Between Christmas and New Year, every year, I was a miserable person to be around. I know you can't fathom that. I know it's hard to believe. I was, I was a miserable person because I, for some reason, that was the week out of the year that I would always stress out about money. I just got so stressed. So finally, God said to me, do you want to know what my word says about money? Yes! Are you tired of being stressed about money? Yes! Okay, so let's go to my word. Okay, God, let's go to your word. And what does your word have to say? First thing is, is that everything we have comes from him. Jesus' stepbrother, a guy by the name of James, or Jim, writes this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good thing we have comes from who? Every good thing we have comes from who? 
every good thing we have. Every good. Everything good you've got. Your shirt. Everything. Your watch. The car that you drove in to get here. Everything you've got came from him. Everything. And I know what you're thinking. Nope. Nobody didn't. Came from me. My hard work. I worked hard for this. I've got this money. I've got this in my 401k. I've got this in my retirement account. I've got this in my... No, I did that. Can I ask you a question? Who gave you the ability to do your job? Let me ask you a question. And Someone in your life tragically died like that. Car accident, brain aneurysm, something died like that. Your breath is a gift from God. We used to sing this song. Worship songs go through the church like water, right? It's a great song, and then like two days later, no one sings it anymore. Well, way back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, about five years ago, we used to sing this song called, It's Your Breath in Our Lungs. So I pour out my praise, I pour out my praise. I, I was reading this week in my own personal devotions, John 18, 19, 20, 21. I read 21 this morning, but 18, 19, when Jesus is crucified. And for some reason, it struck me. It never really struck me like this before. The soldiers that picked up a whip and whipped Jesus and put a crown of thorns on his head and then nailed him to that cross, it was his breath in their lungs. At any moment, he could have said, your life is over, your life is over, your life is over, your life is over. It was his love for you. It was his love for you that caused him to say, I'll go to the cross and pay the price for their sin. Every good gift, including our health, including the breath in our lungs, comes from him. So the first thing I had to figure out with my finances is that everything good I've got, including any money, any money. So, I have $40 in my pocket. Um, this is Sunday, right? Okay, so Tuesday. I did a lot of traveling this week. So Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week, I was in Waco, Texas. And um, I was there to check out this really cool church that's there. And it's a large church. And I hung out with the senior pastor and their staff. I'm just trying to learn and grow and become better and all this kind of stuff. So it was great. It was awesome. And uh, my much better half, Mary, was with me. She never gets to go with me on a trip, but she was with me for a couple of days in Waco, so it was awesome. Because there's something down there, there's some place called Magnolia down there, or something like that, and she had to, whatever. So anyways, so, um, so we're there, and uh, we went to a Mexican restaurant. And because I grew up in San Diego, I love Mexican. So we're in a Mexican restaurant, and for dinner, and uh, waiter comes up to us to take our drink order, like we just sat down. Waiter comes up, he says, hey, and I said to him, hey, what's your name? He said, Ty, for Tyler. I said, hey, Ty. And I just sense in my spirit something's going on with this guy's life. Now, does this happen all the time? No. But I just, something's going on. He seemed distracted. I said, Tyler, what's going on in your life? You seem like you're a little stressed. He said, yeah. I said, I've got some really difficult things that are going on. Not here at the job, but outside the job. No lies. This is exactly what I did. Out loud. Lord Jesus, I pray right now for Ty. You know everything that's going on in his life. I pray right now that you would, that he would sense your peace and he would sense that your plans for him are good and that you're going to work all things out for his good. 
Thank you for loving Ty. In Jesus' name, amen. Before he took my drink order, Ty was crying at my table, saying to me, thank you. He didn't see me as a whack job. He saw me as someone who actually cared for his soul. He walked away, got me my Diet Pepsi and Mary her water and came back. And as he was away, the Holy Spirit said to me, give him your money. What? <laughs> yeah, give him my money. Oh, give him the money that's in your pocket. Okay. Pulled out the money I had in my pocket. Ty, this is from you. This is for you. This is from the Lord. The Lord told me to give it to you. Give it to you. I gave it to him. All the money that was in my pocket. And do you do that all the time, Chris? The next night I was in Detroit. I was supposed to get all the way home to Grand Rapids, but because of a flight delay, I ended up missing our flight back to Grand Rapids. And so we got stranded in Detroit, stayed in a hotel. And I had to get our bags out of baggage claim. And so I'm down in baggage claim, and there's this guy walking around baggage claim looking for money. He wanted money. Is the Holy Spirit, do you want me to? Nope. You sure? It's your money. Nope. Okay. I trust you. First thing I had to learn about money is that it all comes from him. Second of all, I had to learn that he owns it all. Job 41.11, God's talking to Job, and he says, hey, Job, who's given to me? Who's given me anything that I need to pay them back? Everything under heaven is mine. And then thirdly, I had to learn that he provides for us financially. Again, in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 29.12 says, riches and honor, all of our money comes from him. And you are the ruler of everything. Power and might are in your hand, and it's in your hand to make great and to give strength to all. See, here's the thing. Here's what I had to realize. My money is not actually my money. It's his money. And he's asked me to manage or steward it well. Steward is just a word for managing. It's not your money. The money in your 401k and your retirement account and in your bank account and that you're carrying around with you, it's not your money. It's his money. And he's placed it in your care to steward it. Now, I know that that goes counter to everything in the American way. I know that. But here's the thing. The American way leaves us stressed out and worried and freaked out. And the Holy Spirit says to us, I've got a better way. I've got a better way. I'll provide for you. Does God want you poor? No. Are you going to be destitute? No. Do I look like I'm destitute? Some of you are going to say, yeah, you do. Well, you know, what can I tell you? I need a fashion person more than I need anything. I've never done this before. I literally took a picture of myself in the hotel mirror this morning and said, Mary, tucked or untucked? She said, untucked. Okay, good. There we go. I can't even dress myself. I'm such an idiot. Okay, here's the thing. Everything I have comes from him. It's his money. I can either live the American way and be stressed out, or I can live God's way. And I want to be very, very careful here. Most of us in this room are still living the American way. We come to church, but we're still living the American way. And so I said to God, well, what does it mean? If it's your money, then what does that mean? Again, I'm 27 years old. So it's your money, so God, what does that mean? He says, okay. Can I share something with you, Chris? Sure, absolutely. Okay, let me share with you what I want you to do with my money. Okay. Do that, God. He takes me back to this Old Testament passage in the Bible. Should people cheat God? Should people cheat God? 
Yet you, Chris, have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean, God? When did I ever cheat you? Well, Chris, you've cheated me out of your tithes and offerings that you owe me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes. In other words, bring the first 10%, Chris, of everything that I give you. The first 10% of everything I give you, give back to me. Trust me, Chris, with the first 10% of your income. Trust me with it. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse, and there'll be enough food in my temple. In other words, the things I want to do in and through my house, in and through the church, I'll be able to do. But if you do this, Chris, says the Lord of Heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great that you, Chris, won't have enough room to take it all in. Put me to the test. Say those last words with me. Here we go. Put me to the test. Say them again. Put me to the test. You know what God is saying to you? Some of you are way too young. You'll never get this. Go ahead. Make my day. That's what God is saying. Come on. Bring it. Put me to the test. Give me that first 10% and watch what I'll do. You can keep it all. Matter of fact, you can do what the typical American is doing today, which is spending 100, 115% of what they began. That's why they're all $92,000 in debt. You can do that, or you can put me first and watch what I'll do. Put me to the test. Next slide. Your crops will be abundant, for I'll guard them from insects and disease. Again, agrarian culture, we've got to translate into our world. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of Heaven's army. In other words, in other words, hey, your car is going to last a lot longer. Your refrigerator is going to last a lot longer. Your hot water heater is going to last a lot longer. Things are going to last longer because you put me first. I'll take care of all those things. Then all the nations you will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God invites us to trust him with our income. He doesn't force it. It's an invitation. He doesn't twist our arm. It's a simple invitation. He does say, go ahead and test me. Come on. It's the only time in all the Bible where God says, come on, put me to the test. Come on. The only time in the Bible he tells us to do that. But if we do it, we can watch God do amazing things. Okay, fast forward. I'm now 37 years old. True story. I'm now 37. My wife Mary and I are planting our second church in Madison, Wisconsin. We started out in South Dakota. Now we're in Madison, Wisconsin. We're planting a second church. Get about three years into that church plant, three or four years in, and it hits a real financial struggle. The church is really hurting financially. So I went seven months without getting paid. Now, I had another job. I took another job. But I went seven months without getting paid. But we were not making it. And so you know what I did? I put my hope in Capital One. I went to the grocery store, and I swiped. If I needed a new shirt, I went to the outlet store, and I swiped. Everything I needed in that seven-month period, I just swiped. So here's what I did. I put my trust in Capital One instead of the one who holds all the capital. Ooh, guys, you should have put that up on the screen. That'll preach. I had it up on the screen. They just don't want to put it up on the screen. Hello, guys. Video booth. Put it up on the screen. They're still not going to do it. Okay, great. Hey, you got it. Woo! I believe in you. Okay. Way too often we put our trust in this. When the Holy Spirit is invited, you know what I missed out on? I missed out on seven months of God coming through. I've got dear friends 
who have found themselves in really difficult financial situations and said, God, you're going to have to come through. And, God's, and they've got the miraculous stories to tell it. Oh my gosh, people showed up at their house with food, checks coming in the mail that they weren't expecting. God's just provided over and over and over and over and over again. And I missed out on that. I just went deeper in debt. Fast forward. A couple years ago, I did a wedding. And um, I knew the guy worked for a heating and cooling place. And I said to him, hey, um, <laughs> so here's the thing. I, keep, I tell you, I can't wait for you to meet my wife. But I am going to bring her so you see that I'm actually married, that I'm not making this up. Um, I got it. And Mary really wants to come. She really, really wants to come. She, they'll be here on Christmas Eve. So make sure you meet them then. But uh, my whole family will be. But uh, here's the thing. I, I, um, Mary hates to be hot. And if mommy ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And my, we have central air, and I could tell that my air condenser was going to go out. Like, it's 20 years, it's going to go out. So I said to this kid who I was going to do there, I said, I'll do your wedding for you, and I'll do it pro bono. You don't have to pay me a thing. I'll do the premarital counseling and the wedding as long as when I need a new air conditioning unit that you'll change it out for me. I'll pay for it. I'll pay for the actual unit if you don't mind changing it out. He said, sure. Sounds like a great thing. I said, you know, we'll barter kind of deal. That's great. Um, so... I did their wedding three years, four years ago, whatever it was. And I could tell I was getting that time. So I called him up and I said, Matt, I think it's time. He said, great. I got a brand new heater and air conditioner, a furnace and an air conditioner for our house for $3,200 installed. Now, any of you who know anything about that know that that's about a $7,500 deal done. How? God took care of it. He just took care of it. See, what began to happen after that time in Madison is I began to say, okay, I'm going to live fully into the trusting God, and I'm going to live by the 10-10-80 principle. I'm going to give my first 10% to God, I'm going to save 10%, and then I'm going to live off the 80%. To be frank with you, we now do about, we do about 15%, 10%, 75%. We give about 15% of our money away to the things of the Lord. I'll tell you, God keeps coming through. He keeps coming through. And, and I'll just tell you, it takes a step of faith. The first time we write out that check, it'll freak us out. Oh, I know, we don't write checks anymore. Sorry, that's so ancient. Sorry. First time we go online, first time we get out of our phone and we actually give, this is what's going to happen inside. Ah! I don't think I can do this. Like, are you thinking kidding me, God? Really? Are you thinking kidding me? You want me to give my first 10% of what I just And by the way, I think you ought to start this when you're 15 years old, when you're 12 years old, when you're 16 years old. Don't wait till you're a parent. Can, can I just tell you, if you can't do it when you're making $100 a week, it won't get any easier when you're making $1,000 or $2,000 a week or whatever. It won't make a difference. Start now. Start now. Trust God now. It'll, it, it'll be a step of faith. But God says to us, trust me in this. Go ahead, put me to the test and watch what I'll do. Now, one of the aspects of this is that we actually learn this, we actually learn this thing called contentment. This guy by the name of Paul writes to his friend Timothy and he says, true godliness with contentment itself is great wealth. Learn to be content. So can I just tell you what that really looks like in my life? What that really looks like in my life is, I've told you before that I'm a car guy, right? I love cars, like woohoo, I love cars. 
So my work provides for me a car, and that's great. But my second car is a 2010, our family car is a 2010 Honda Odyssey. Ours is actually dark blue, but that's exactly our car. With 166,000 miles on it. Now, can I just tell you, can I just, is that the car I want? No. Is that, is that my dream car? No. And, and I don't mean this weird. I have a good enough credit rating now that there's, there's not a bank in Grand Rapids, Michigan, or a car dealership in Grand, Grand Rapids, Michigan that would turn me down for a car loan. I could go get a car loan right this second. So why don't I? Because I want to put God first and I want to trust him. So what am I doing? I'm saving. I'm taking that 10% and I'm saving up to buy a car that Mary wants. Now, Mary doesn't want a Mercedes. She doesn't want a Porsche. She doesn't want any of that. I know exactly the car that she wants, and I'm saving up for it. And, and I'll just tell you, it bugs me every time I get in that car. There's a part of me that just bugs me. I'm not going to lie, but I have a choice to make. That car is a gift from God to us. And if I needed a nicer, newer car, he's God. He could transform that car into a nicer, newer car if he wanted. It's not hard for him. He wouldn't break a sweat doing it. I can trust him. I can trust him. So, here's what I want to challenge you with. In the back of your seats, there's a, an invite and invest card. Looks like this. I want to encourage you just to get it out if you won't mind. Find one and whatever. And then on the bottom of it, it's just this little part that says invite and, inve invite and invest. I just want to encourage you to take that card. And I want, you, I want to encourage you to, to perforate it, to like tear it at the perforation. And you'll look on the back of it. It gives you an opportunity to put your name and actually say, you know what, Chris? Okay, I'm going to take God up on his, on his offer. I'm going to begin. And I, I don't care if you put any dollar amount there. That's not what I'm asking you to do. I'm encouraging you to just say, today's going to be my day of financial freedom. I had that day when I was 27, when I was going to begin to trust God with my finances. And God made a huge difference in my life, huge difference. I do not worry about money anymore. Because God's always come through now. By the way, there's going to be a stewardship class called If Money Talked that's going to start on January 18th at the Bridgepoint building. And I just, I just really want to encourage you to come to that. If tithing is a brand new thing, if giving to God first thing, I just encourage you to come to that. This whole idea of stewardship, I really want to encourage you because you're going to need some encouragement. I did, and I want to encourage you to do that. Now, I want to say a couple of last things, then we'll be done. Some of you might be thinking cynically, oh, sure, you want us to give more to the church so you get more money. Can I tell you that Heritage isn't paying me? I've been here since May. May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Eight months. The board at Heritage decided that they wanted to give me a Christmas gift. That Christmas gift is a total of $4,000, which is a sum of $500 a month. I don't make a penny more. I'm not, and that would be the last they give me for the rest of the time I'm here. Okay? Your giving doesn't do anything to my bottom line. I don't want you to give so that I get more money. That has nothing to do with it. 
And by the way, I don't mean this weird. I don't know another pastor that would be as transparent with you as I just was. The reason I'm, on, I'm that transparent is because I want you to know, this has nothing to do with me. Your giving to heritage does two things. Number one, it allows God to come through for your finances. Number two, it allows us to do some really cool ministry like what you're about to watch on the screens. Watch this. Awesome, man. It meant a lot because I felt like I was in that room with family. Heritage, I consider now a family, and they're taking this journey with me. And the wonderful thing about it is that when you know you're not perfect, when you know you're not doing all the right things, you still know God loves you. You still know He's right there with you. And, um, I don't need to be perfect when I feel that. When I feel that, that, that peace, when I feel like I'm perfect in his eyes, who do I care about being perfect in anybody else's eyes for? All glory is to God, you know? If, if I can describe it, it's like you just being hugged by all your grandmothers. Like if you, gotta, if you can clone your grandmother, you know, 10 times and they all giving you a hug, you know, that's how it feels and they cooking cookies and you know, that's just how it felt. As soon as I accepted Christ, Recently, you know, I was saying that, like, man, I need to get baptized. I want to, you know, proclaim that. The same way I proclaimed all of that other stuff when that wasn't good for me. This is the best thing for me, you know. I want to proclaim that, and the, the confirmation came with you guys, like, hey, we baptized. I'm like, I, I get it. I hear you. <laughs> it, was, it was freeing, almost. Like, I came up actually clean. It's like a new life a new path. It's something that I never imagined myself doing until today and the, the baptismal in Kiwani, giving that opportunity to not only me, to 10 other guys was amazing. I, I, I can't believe what I'm, what I'm doing right now. And so it's, it's just freeing. Well, this baptism to me uh, was a rededication, a rededication uh, to to God and Christ uh, for just being there for me. And, you know, I, wa I wanted to kind of like share my experience with others uh, and my peers here at Kiwani and let them know that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, praising God and, and showing Him uh, your love and, and, and giving Him His gratitude because He deserves everything from us. Yeah, keep rolling the video. So that day, there were four guys that were kind of scheduled to be baptized. 
and seven other guys said, I want to get baptized too. For those of you who are brand new to Heritage, that's our ministry, the Kiwani Men's Correctional Facility. It's so cool, isn't it, to see what God is doing in that place? Yeah. Yeah, that's able to happen because of your faithfulness in giving. And yesterday there was a really cool event, and Luke, would you share with us, yeah, some cool things happened yesterday. Yeah, so we had our annual meal packing from Meals from the Heartland event yesterday. How many of you were able to come out to that? Awesome. Several of you guys. Thank you. Thank you guys for being part of that. Um, I would say it's one of the most anticipating like events of the year for me as a pastor, because uh, our 6th and 12th grade students lead you guys in that experience, and, and they did an awesome job. Can we give a round of applause? Woo! They, they crushed it every year they did. And um, I want to give you guys a breakdown of the impact that you made yesterday, whether you were there or not. 202 boxes were packed, and that's 43,632 meals. Now hear this, hear this. And that is going to feed 168 kids for a whole year. How amazing is that? Thank you guys for being part of that. Thanks, Pastor Luke. I, it's so cool. Those are the kinds of things that we're able to do. And quite frankly, we want to do a lot of stuff in the Quad Cities. It's just a lot of stuff. And so for some of you this morning, I really want to encourage you to fill out this card. And in a few moments, we're actually going to pass an offering plate in these middle sections. And I, I want to encourage you to put it in only because we want to be able to pray for you. It's a step of faith. And we just want to pray for you and say, God, would you continue to help them to take steps of faith, to trust you, to cross over the line. God made Joshua in the Old Testament said, choose this day who you will serve. And cool things happened as a result of that. And one last thing I want to say. And some of you, like, you made that decision a long time ago. And I just want to celebrate that. As a matter of fact, I don't mean this weird, but how many of you be willing to give God testimony? And I'm not trying to put anyone on this, but how many of you would say, man, I actually began to give God my first 10% and he's come through over and over and over and over again. And you would just raise your hand and say, man, I just want to give God testimony for how he's come through. Yeah, and look around, right? God's inviting the rest of you into that. For some of you, again, you made that, for those of you who just raised your hand, you made that decision a long time ago. I'm just going to be as honest with you as I can be. So because of the year that Heritage has had, we're about 21% behind budget in giving. And some of you have the opportunity and the resources to be able to help us with that at the end of the year. And we don't want ministry to, to stop happening in the Quad Cities. We want it to continue to happen. And I'm personally really praying and fasting and asking God. And Mary and I are actually going to give some money to help try and end that 21% deficit. I want to encourage some of you to consider Holy Spirit to do what I did on Tuesday night. When God prompted me and said, Chris, give that money to that waiter. I'm not twisting your arm, not at all. I have no desire to do that. All I'm asking you to do is listen to Holy Spirit and say, okay, Holy Spirit, you know the need that Heritage has. What are you asking me to do? What are you inviting me into? And whatever he tells you, I trust. Because he's a good father. I want to say in advance, thank you because you help that kind of ministry go forward. Would you pray with me? So Heavenly Father, thank you. Your ways, as, as Isaiah wrote, your words, he's, you said, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts and your thoughts. Man, the American way is to get all that we can now and go in debt to get it and then be miserably worried about it. And your way is freeing it's filled with contentment 
and peace and joy. And so I pray in Jesus' name for my friends, my brothers and sisters, that today would be their freedom day. That they would begin to trust you with their finances, just as I did when I was 27. And they would begin to watch you work miracle after miracle after miracle in their lives. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you that you know all of our needs and you are committed to making sure that we're taken care of. Thank you in advance for the miracles you're going to work. We love you, God. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Can I just say thank you that I love you? We're going to continue to worship here. We've got another song, two songs actually. We're going to worship. Thank you. Thank you just for who you are. And I didn't get a chance to say it, but the staff here at Heritage is so amazing. Can we just thank them for who they are and for the way that they serve? And yeah. Can you do me a favor? This is going to embarrass the daylights out of him. Some of you know this guy. Some of you don't. You're going to meet him in a couple weeks because he's going to preach. But Matt Fry is over here. Matt is the guy that made the Poon um, video a few weeks ago. But he had to come in yesterday and muddle through my message that I preached so it could be online and then sit and do all that work. And Matt, you're a rock star. And your servant's heart is so cool. And... Uh, The staff at Heritage just sacrifices so often and so many of us don't know about it. I just want to say thank you. So thanks again for who you are. You're an amazing congregation. And the best days of Heritage are in its future, not a rearview mirror. Amen? Amen. Our God is a miracle worker. There are some people in here today. We're praying for a miracle. Uh, so let's just stand together and worship our God, who we know can do all things. They say this mountain can't be they say these chains will never break But they don't know you like we do There is power in your name You've heard that there is no way through We've heard the tide will never They haven't seen what you can do.
How great the chasm lay between us How high the mountain could not climb In desperation I turned to heaven And spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living So great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken, I am
Friends, I am so incredibly grateful for Jesus, and I am so grateful that He is our living hope. I want to thank you so much for joining us for worship today. If you have a question or a prayer request or, or just simply want to talk with one of our pastors, please visit heritageqc.com connect. Shoot us a note there and we will get back with you and, and set up a time to connect and, uh, and just kind of dive into to your story and your questions. We would be glad to do that. We continue to be incredibly grateful for the many ways that the Heritage family shows radical generosity. And we want to remind you that if you desire to give financially, you can do that at heritageqc.com slash give. I really truly believe that God leverages our generosity to open doors for the sharing of the story of Jesus with our community. And so we really do appreciate the ways that you partner with us in kingdom work. I hope that you have a blessed week and we hope to see you connect back with us next week. Go now in the hope and peace of Jesus.